Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Chrissy Butis. I am the Chief Government Affairs Officer here at NJBIA and I am thrilled that everyone has joined us for our Take on Trenton podcast today. I have the privilege of being joined by two wonderful guests who will actually be our moderators at our upcoming Public Policy Forum on December 6th in Woodbridge, New Jersey. And so I'm joined to my right by Mike Duhame, who is the Managing Partner at Mercury Public Affairs. And on my left, Julie Rajinsky, who is the President of Optimist Partners. And so what we were hoping today was to have a discussion about what's going on in Trenton, what's going on on the national level, and really to get folks, you know, excited about what we're going to be talking about with our legislative leaders and such at our Public public Policy Forum on December 6th. So hoping to just kick right into it and stuff. You know, I know there's a lot going on and, you know, you've both been busy. I see a lot of your columns back and forth, and I think they're really exciting to read, learn a lot about what's happening in the state, but we just came off a, a big election. Whole assembly was up as well as, you know, one special district election in the Senate and District 1 down in Cape May County. So just wanted to hear your thoughts on what just occurred in the in the assembly and, and that special election district down in District 1. So maybe, Julie, I'll kick it off to you. Uh, we came up short. The Democrats came up short. Um, we lost two seats in the assembly. We lost one seat in the Senate. I don't think there's any reason to sugarcoat it. It's not what we'd hoped for. Um, on the other hand, I think we played offense in a lot of districts that Democrats typically wouldn't play in. District 25 up in Morris County, which is now Senator Bucco's district. Uh, certainly District 21, Minority Leader Bramnick's district. District 39 up in Bergen County. And more and more what you're seeing is that Democrats are making inroads in previously Republican areas and coming closer and closer to making sure that those areas go Democratic, not just at the congressional level and the presidential level, but also at the legislative level. So I think in time, what this will prove is that this was a good opportunity for investment by the Democratic Party in building a more holistic uh, party structure in counties that were previously not at all Democratic. Uh, and also about the fact that, look, the state is now becoming more and more polarized. You're seeing parts of South Jersey becoming more and more uh, conservative or more Trump-like. District 1 was a good example of that. And more and more places up north that are becoming uh, certainly more purple, potentially trending in the Democratic column. I think for Republicans, Republicans feel optimistic again. It's the first time in six years in New Jersey where Republicans have had a, a truly successful election night since Governor Christie's re-election uh, at that time. As Julie said, Democrats were very much on offense and Republicans were very much underfunded. They're the minority party in the legislature. Democrats have the governor's office and the governor had millions of dollars from his, uh, his outside support group on TV. Democrats had hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not over a million dollars in some of these races and Republicans won. And so we feel good. And yes, we were on defense in some of those districts, but we did pick up seats in South Jersey, three seats in total, which feels really good. And somebody like John Bramnick actually won comfortably. He won by seven points and there was a challenge from the right in that district as well, which hurt him and he won comfortably. And so that feels, it feels good for Republicans to, to, for the first time in a while, actually beat back those challenges. Those were areas we actually lost last year on the congressional race. And we lost similar races to that in the legislature two years ago, so we feel better about that. And I think a big part of that is also the issue matrix that came out. For the first time in a few years, it wasn't about you know, Donald Trump or about um, gun rights or things of that nature. It, it went back to taxes. Governor Murphy, um, I think, ill-advisedly said during the campaign that uh, if taxes are your issue, this might not be your state. Well, that's not what people want to hear in this state. And uh, it's a very tax-sensitive state. And when Republicans are successful statewide, it tends to be working-class voters who revolt on the Democrats when they lose their sensitivity to taxes. And, and Republicans win places like Middlesex County and Gloucester County, which are historically Democrat 
Democrat, but are, are you know, working class Democrats who uh, will do not like when the Democratic Party forgets that uh, it's sometimes not easy to make ends meet in this state. And so uh, that helped Republicans crystallize the message. It's, it's maybe the only area where Republicans nationally in the state are always unified. It tends to be on tax issues and economic issues. And so it was a great opportunity and I think it helped us in the closing days of those races. You know, it's uh, interesting. You know, we're paying attention a lot to that election here at BIA um, and for our members uh, to keep them apprised of how that election shook out because, you know, so much of this policy that's being developed right now really impacts the business community. And so I think the message also for, for our members and for, you know, all of our businesses that we represent is, you know, so the Republicans picked up two seats, three and one in the Senate, two in the Assembly, so three total. And that, you know, we're going into this lame duck session, um, which is really known to be a hectic time where legislation moves quite quickly at certain points. And so I wanted to get your thoughts as you're both going to be our moderators at our public policy forum, and we're thrilled about that. And heading into this time in about, you know, actually we're meeting, a uh, session starts on Thursday. We have all of our committee meetings, so we're jumping right into it, and it'll be right in the throes of when the public policy forum takes place as well. Lame ducks here, goes through the middle of January, elections over, Dem uh, Republicans picked up three total seats. What can we expect going into the lame duck session? And what do you expect our legislative leaders to talk about when you both have the pleasure of moderating them in a couple of weeks? So Mike, maybe I'll talk, turn sure. it over to well, you. I certainly hope from the business community's point of view that there will be some some resolution on tax incentives at some point. I think that uh, there's been obviously a great deal of controversy around that issue, but it is hurting the business community and it does re uh, give a great deal of uncertainty going forward. I know there are another, a number of other issues that'll be uh, discussed, medical marijuana, or excuse me, recreational marijuana, legalization thereof, uh, where the leaders, the governor and the legislative leaders seem to agree, but they can't, they still can't get things passed. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what people have to say, but from a business community point of view, I feel like the last two years have been a step back for the business community in terms of what the, the governor's agenda. Now, I think Senator Sweeney and Speaker Coughlin have actually held the dam back a bit on, on the governor's uh, agenda, which I, I think really has hurt business. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how long that goes. I, I, my question will be, can the, can the Democrats who have solid majorities in both the Senate and the Assembly and the governor's office, will they actually get together on things of substance or will there really only be minor things that pass during this time? Mm -hmm. Julie will probably have a better perspective than I have. Well, I think that's a, that's a pretty good assessment. I mean, mm -hmm. the reality is that the election didn't change much. Um, in the sense that Democrats still have a strong majority in both houses, in the sense that the Republicans really don't have much of a role to play, not because they're irrelevant, but because there just aren't enough numbers for them to, to play a significant role in moving agenda items forward. And so it remains to be seen whether the governor and the legislature can come together in some of these big ticket items. We've been talking about recreational marijuana now for two years. That seems to be sort of the Charlie Brown with the football um, policy where just when you think it's going to happen, it gets yanked mm -hmm. away from you. Um, certainly tax incentives are something mm -hmm. that I think both sides agree need to be not just reenacted, but in some ways reformed from the previous law. And I think both sides agree on that. The dis disagreement is to what extent they need mm -hmm. to be reformed and how. Um, vaping is an issue that's coming up that I think both sides are pretty committed to. Um, driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants may be something that they're taking up as well. So I think there are all sorts of different components. There are public policy um, issues that affect the economy and the business community. There are issues that affect criminal justice. 
Um, there are issues that affect public health, and so it remains to be seen what they can actually get done in the next month or two. BAA has been very focused on at least uh, a couple of the areas that you both focused on, uh, specifically the tax incentives, of course. You know, we, we do rank the highest in a lot of our taxes, especially in the region, with our corporate business tax, personal income tax, sales tax, and um, our property taxes being some of the highest in the region. Um, but And we see the tax incentive program, <clears throat> excuse me, to be one of those tools in the tool chest to really try to put New Jersey ahead of other states. And so we've been working you know, with our legislative leaders to see, here, to see that get resolved. And so we look forward to hearing more about that as we enter the public policy forum, if it's not resolved, you know, and, and we have a bill moving forward by then. And certainly on the, on the marijuana um, policy initiative, one of the things that we have been successful through a lot of this discussion um, with getting inserted into that legislation is uh, workplace safety provisions. Uh, so that if you do come to work that you're, you know, you're, you're able to work, you know, you're not under the influence. And so we've been pleased to work with our legislative leaders on, on that um, component of the legislation. I know that's a concern for a lot of our employers, just making sure that, you know, the workplace is a safe place for everyone. Right. Yeah, I'm curious on tax incentives to see how, how well, even if the legislative leaders and the governor and the governor's office all agree that something needs to be done, can they actually put personality aside and get things done will they they could it's, it's a place where everyone can win mm -hmm. but nobody wants the other person to win and I, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens because um, because of where we are when it comes to taxes and, and some of the cost of living issues those tax incentives are very important for businesses to stay in New Jersey or to relocate in New Jersey so again I, I thankfully don't have to be somebody who's in the weeds on these things but also understand that it is it is holding back investment from other states mm -hmm. and you know as I, as I always say Mike's in my column once lawyers get involved with subpoenas start flying it becomes a lot harder to Absolutely. come to accommodation and unfortunately these incentives are suffering because of that resolution of these incentives, I think on both sides. I mean, uh, ultimately, the governor has a very specific view as to how he wants these incentives done. Um, so does the legislature to some extent, um, although there's not uniform agreement on that. And I think when you have that kind of personality conflict over this particular issue, the issue almost gets subsumed because of personality conflicts. And that's something that I hope, I'm very hopeful that both sides can get resolved. The legislative leaders in the governor's office, regardless of party, have to have some sort of personal trust between them mm -hmm. um, because compromise is forged by uh, working with the other side and ultimately trusting that the other side will abide by their side of the compromise. And that personal trust is something that, whether it's Washington or Trenton or anywhere else, has to happen for any type of compromise to happen. And so far, that uh, doesn't look <laughs> when you're trying to put people in jail, I'm not sure there's much trust there, so <laughs> that's, you know, that's part of the problem, too. Well, we're really happy um, to be talking about also during our, our, our discussion with the legislative leaders about igniting innovation. That's a theme of our public policy forum this year. And a lot of focus has been, you know, by the governor and others on what can we do to make New Jersey, you know, more competitive. And so I'm, I'm interested to hear from our legislative leaders that day, you know, are other states doing, you know, certain things better than New Jersey? What are some, you know, lessons that we can learn? How do we, how do we look at the holistic picture and make sure that we're growing New Jersey's economy? And BIA has really been at the forefront trying to focus on, on those initiatives. So I'm really curious as that discussion ensues um, in a couple of weeks, you know, what, what our legislative leaders might have in mind. So look forward to you know hearing what your thoughts will be um, as we enter you know that discussion with them. And you know I certainly think you know making sure we do have a, a at least a tax incentive program on the books is certainly one one tool in that tool chest. Well, a big, a big part of uh, innovation is uh, our 
can people get wealthy in your state? Can they do well in your state? We, we have so many of the components we hear. We're near New York, we're near Philadelphia, we have a well-educated workforce, we have great universities, but our tax structure is bad. It's bad for people who want to be leaders of companies, to recruit people who come in. Governor Kane used to say that as long as New Jersey has taxes that are a little bit lower than New York and a little bit lower than Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, we're going to be okay here. Well, it's not that way anymore. When we're raising business taxes in New Jersey and Governor Cuomo in New York is cutting business taxes, that's why you see innovation, innovative companies locating in the Brooklyn Navy Yard right now because the, there are tax incentives and the tax structure in New York that is lower on business than it is in New Jersey. We benefit greatly from being near New York and the ecosystem and we used to benefit much more when our taxes were just a little bit better and now they're worse. And Governor Cuomo, um, who is not you know, some uh, stalwart of the, of the right by any stretch, understands that the way to keep businesses and grow businesses in New York uh, is to have incentives and a tax rate that's lower for business than it is in New Jersey. And we're, we're losing com competitively to New York, which is, should not be the case and historically has not been the case in New Jersey. One of the uh, items that BIA has been very focused on, you talked about the workforce, um, and maybe we could just incorporate that into some of our discussion with our legislative leaders, is retaining our talent here in the state. We're actually the number one out-migrator of our young, our young adults. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, you know, they're, they're getting educated in New Jersey and moving out, and we'd love to keep that talent here you know, in the state moving forward. And we're, and we're happy to hear that our policymakers have been really you know, talking about that issue and figuring out some creative ways to keep them here you know, at our great universities, you know, and, and some of our um, towns that are really thriving through, you know, bringing some mixed-use properties together and, and transportation and such. And so it's, it's one of those issues, as you mentioned, workforce is really important to us. So. And that's something Governor Murphy's been talking about mm -hmm. since the day he announced his candidacy for governor. I mean, he's very committed and has been from day one to ensuring that we don't have a brain drain, for lack mm -hmm. of a better description, here in New Jersey, that we are able to keep people like Mike, who graduated from Rutgers mm -hmm. here in New Jersey, mm -hmm. um, and not allow them or, or have them be incentivized to go to California or go to New York or, or other places where young people might go. Part of that is because of the innovation technology economy that uh, places like California have mm -hmm. um, that attract young people. And part of that is developing that here, something else he's very committed to. I know that he's constantly talked about Boston. Um, and the 120 corridor up in Boston being a mm -hmm. uh, East Coast hub for innovation, and that's something he wants to replicate here. Um, so to his credit, that's something that he's been talking about for years on end. Um, I will say that at a time when we should be investing more in our colleges and universities, the state economy is, is, is not allowing us to do that at a level that I think we should be doing that. Um, I know he's trying to do that with um, community college and, and mm -hmm. having um, free community college and, and allowing people to really have access to world-class education here in New Jersey at an affordable level that then allows them to use and utilize their talents here in the state and not have to go to University of Michigan or University of Virginia or, or Berkeley or any of these other UCLA any of these other very good schools that unfortunately are potentially allowing their in-state tuition students to have a better affordability quotient than we do here mm -hmm. in New Jersey. Yeah, and I think, as Julie's right, the governor has talked a lot about this, and, and there are some great opportunities, and, and so now it's a matter of making it happen. I think you're seeing New Brunswick grow in a way that will allow this tremendous investment uh, mm -hmm. from the university, from J&J, &J, healthcare mm -hmm. systems throughout the state. There, there are great opportunities for could New Brunswick become the, the next Rochester, Minnesota in terms of being an innovative healthcare hub? And that's something the governor's talked about. Kind of, we'd like to see that happen. But all these things happen in concert. You can't just want innovation and then not have a business climate that's favorable for people to grow businesses and recruit talent here. Yeah. 
So switching to federal government, a lot going on on a national level right now. And um, was hoping to hear like what your thoughts are and what you're seeing. You know, a lot going on with the presidential go race. Or so. <laughs> <Thanks for Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, yeah, happy to let me go first on the federal side. Uh, federal side. Yeah, I, it's sim- I don't know much how much we'll get done. There, there are a ton of bills that right now that are in Congress. But it's all being completely consumed by the impeachment drama there, and and I think I I think the Democrat leadership in the House uh, and Republican leadership in the Senate would like to prove to their constituents that they can walk and chew gum at the same time, mm-hmm. and they can tackle certain difficult legislative issues while at the same time pursuing impeachment. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just doubtful that it can happen. We talked a little bit before about personal trust. Could you? I mean, we talk about injury. Could you imagine what it's like right now in Washington D.C. in terms of they're trying to impeach the president of the United States? You think he's looking to sign any bill that emanates from Nancy Pelosi's Congress right now? They're not look. They're not looking for common ground. They're completely in their corners. Uh, nobody really talks about much of anything other. I think. I think there are certain members and certain staff people who are trying to push certain mm-hmm. legislation forward, but. Nobody, nobody outside the halls of Congress is talking about it. There's no pressure, pressure from constituents to move anything forward. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's all impeachment all the time. Hopefully, it can get done one way or another within a few months, and that way people can move on. Uh, but right now, there's there's not much legislation, positive or negative, coming, in my opinion. And the fever's got to break because it's not just a Donald Trump issue or a Mitch McConnell issue or a Nancy Pelosi issue. I mean, this is something that was going on towards the end of Obama's term, where the breakdown is so acute and so awful that policy, serious policy measures just don't get done. Um, part of that has to do with gerrymandering. Part of that has to do with the fact that members are afraid of being challenged from their party base, so they feel like they have to go um, to their corners. But I mean, I think about back, God, this was uh, during the Bush years, if not the Obama years, um, a comprehensive immigration reform, something that both parties were able to work on in the Senate together, and it died in the House because there was just no trust that people were not going to get primaried if they went along with compromise. Compromise has become a very dirty word in mm-hmm. Washington. I hope it doesn't become a dirty word in New Jersey. But unfortunately, um, as Mike said, it's just very hard to get anything done when people are trying to put each other in prison, which is, I think, what both sides are feeling is happening right now. And I know we have a very big issue uh, that New Jersey's been pushing on a federal level, at least uh, BIA's been very vocal on it, which is, you know, getting our transportation, you know, uh, system, you know, fixed with the Gateway Project and such, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of of big policies that, you know, we we need some action on that would be helpful to the state. We do, obviously, getting the the Gateway Tunnel built, but transportation in general is actually Mm -hmm. one of the few areas where New Jersey historically has actually gotten more money back from the federal government than it than it sends to Washington. We're, we're generally 50th out of 50 in terms of what we send to Washington versus what we get back. But transportation actually is one place where we've done well. But again, now there's a lack of, of any willingness to work together. There are very few Republicans in the federal delegation. Uh, even a few years ago, you had Rodney Freelingheisen, who helped push through the first part of the Gateway Tunnel when Republicans were at Congress and he was the chairman of the Appropriations Committee. But you really think now Donald Trump wants to work with the four Democrat senators from New York and New Jersey who are calling for his impeachment? Do you think he wants to work together with them on something that's important for New York and New Jersey. It's just part of the, the politics has subsumed what's good policy. And it's and Donald Trump's obviously from New York and understands the impact uh, the, of that it has on the regional economy, but there's no willingness to sit and work together. And it's short-sighted because the reality is it's not just the regional economy, it's the national economy. And mm-hmm. if we cut off the city of New York from any kind of public transportation, what that's going to do is impact the entire nation. I mean, we are the lifeblood uh, in this region of the national mm-hmm. economy. And so unfortunately, all those senators in the middle part of the state who don't want to support this kind of project don't understand that it's their own constituents that will ultimately be impacted if there is only one tunnel in and out of New York, in and out of Manhattan. That's going to impact all of them eventually down the road, the same way tariffs do, 
the same way other things that seem very, very far away, not in their backyard, eventually do, and, and probably impact them faster and much in a much more stark way than it does wealthy New York bankers who have the ability and the luxury of, of not being impacted by a national crash the same way that farmers do in Kentucky or, or mm -hmm. you know, coal miners do or, or places where Mitch McConnell um, and others mm -hmm. are living and, and representing. Yeah, so all issues that impact the business community mentioned tariffs, definitely something sure. that's on our radar and, sure. you know, we, um, you know, definitely want to keep communicating with our federal representatives on the impact and such. So I know we covered a lot of ground today. Um, anything else that we haven't covered related to state or national policy? No, mm -hmm. we're, I think we're excited to, well, well, to moderate your event. Yeah, thank we're you for having us. Yeah, we're, looking forward we're excited to, to get some you. answers to these questions ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're sitting here projecting we, stuff. We, we don't know what we're talking about. Neither <laughs> one of us can actually introduce legislation in <laughs> right. Trenton or Washington, so I'll be, I'll be excited to ask those questions. Yep. Well, we look forward to having you both. Thank I you. mean, I know both of you spend a lot of time uh, working on campaigns and advising folks, and um, I know you both work with our legislative leaders that will be will be joining us on, on December 6th, and so we're looking forward to a really great conversation with them. Them about what to expect, what's going to happen in lame duck, what can we expect going into the new legislative session in 2020. Couldn't think of two better folks to moderate the panel, um, you know, bringing a breath of knowledge and, and expertise to it. So I hope everyone out there joins us. It'll be a really great event. Talk about, you know, where we're going in terms of the innovation economy and how we move things forward. We'll be joined by Moody's as well as one of our keynote speakers. Uh, so we're excited to hear about what's the, sta the state of the economy and again, where we are today, where we're going tomorrow and so that we can continue to grow jobs here and BIA can continue to advocate for our business community like we do every single day and so Mike Julie I appreciate you coming in I appreciate you coming on the 6th and I hope all of you do as well thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you.